live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy-Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy-Klein. Yeah, well, I got a news flash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. <laughs> I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Clive. Hey, everybody, welcome to the home business happy hour version of Parent Nation. Hey, Kelly. Hey, woohoo. Woohoo. I love this show. I know, I know. I love all our shows, but, you know, this whole home business thing, I like it. Right. There's a lot of people starting them, or they've already had one, or they're thinking about it. I think it's a good thing. I really do. I think it's a good thing. I think that there are, I I totally get the whole need for multiple incomes, you know, because prices are what prices are. And, you know, the more uh, people are working and can afford these things, it's people don't, why don't people understand that prices are based on what the market will bear? Hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, if you have dual incomes and you can afford to pay $3 for an orange, if it's organic, and, you know, and that's what you want, then that's what they're going to charge you, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if no one was paying $3 for organic oranges, then they wouldn't charge that for them. Do you do you realize that? I do. I yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> Does Parent Nation realize that? I don't I know. I don't think Cause, so. Because I don't. I'm kind of one of those people. I'm a Whole Foods person. Me too. And keep going because I got stock in Whole Foods. Do you? Yeah. Did you hear that okay. they're supposed to be they're supposed to be opening up a, a subdivision of Whole Foods, which is kind of like an Aldi. It's like a discounted Whole Foods. Ooh, that would be nice. Thank you. And that just totally justifies what I just said to you. <laughs> They're realizing that more people want organic, healthy food, and not everybody can afford it. So if they want to get it into the mouths of the people who can afford it, instead of dropping their prices in whole food, they're just going to open up a whole new chain, which is the exact same shit, secret, shh, don't tell anybody, Right. at cheaper prices for the other people to shop at. (laughs) When will this be? Please tell. And what will it be called? Do I don't know? know. I don't okay. know. Whole foodies. <laughs> cheap whole foods. Whole foods cheap. <laughs> I don't know. You um, should be on their marketing team. <laughs> Organics are us. I think that would be a good one. Organic. I like us. that. I like that too. I like that too. Um, yeah. So it, it's interesting to me how we... Uh, we, we get what we're willing to pay for. That's so true. And they spend so much money researching on what they think we're going to spend. And if we do spend it, they they keep the price there. Mm-hmm. True story. Or raise it. Oh, my husband was telling me about this thing, and I wish I could remember the, the technical term for it. It's a guy's name. 
but it's basically a phenomenon that's created. You're going to love this, Kelly. Okay. It's a, it's a phenomenon that's created when we take a circumstance to its absolute offensive extreme that people will not tolerate, and then we pull it back just a little bit, and we're still farther ahead of where we were. Um. It, it, it reminds I want to say Schrodinger's cat. It's kind of like one of those, mm. titles, right? Right. Um, so basically, it's, it's the same thing that like with gas prices. So we take gas prices to $4.25 or $4.50 a gallon, right? And people go, oh, my God, it's ridiculous. No one will be able to drive anywhere. It's horrible. So then when we bring it back to $3 a gallon, which is still $2 a gallon more than we were paying three years ago, mm. it's, an, it's acceptable. We go, oh, that's better. Right. Isn't that crazy? That is, and if it's so true, you don't think about it, but that's, you you don't think about it, but it's so true. They're always testing us. They're pushing us to our absolute limits so they could bring us back to where they wanted us to be in the beginning. It's Mm kind of like when you put your house up for sale. Yeah. Negotiations. Right. Your house is worth $200,000, but the real estate agent tells you to list that listed at 275. Because then when people get to negotiate you back to 225, mm-hmm. they've won. Woohoo me! When you've right. actually gotten $25,000 more than what your house was worth to begin with. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's if you happening think, all over the place. It's happening with everything, don't you think? Yes. It's happening with vaccines. It's happening with nipples. It's <laughs> happening with everything. You had to throw nipples in there, huh? I did, because I love the nipples. <laughs> I don't even like the word. <laughs> I, I just know. had to say it. But but it's true. It's so true. Look at me going all high-pitched and everything. You know I'm stoked <laughs> when I go high-pitched. Right. Right? And when I'm serious, I get really low. Yeah. Like mom. <laughs> the okay. mom voice. I love mm-hmm. it. Oh, I think more moms need to be instituting the mom voice. Are you, so it's crazy. So, oh, well, okay. Extremes. Let's, let's talk about extremes here for a minute. So you've been watching all the stuff going on with the airlines. What's going on with the airlines and kids? What are they trying to do? Are they trying, are are they trying to make us um, have separate airlines for kids, for families? What are they trying to do in this whole circle of pushing to extremes? So, okay, the first one that we heard about was the um, the, the the breastfeeding mom, the mom mm-hmm. who was breastfeeding on the airline, and the, the airline attendant asked her to please cover up because you were sitting next to people, okay? Mm-hmm. Please cover up. And the mom's like, no, I don't have to. You know, she wasn't like, oh, you know what? This is a, this is a very, very tight quarters, very special circumstance. Maybe just in this one moment, I could maybe put this receiving blanket over my boob. But no, she couldn't. She had to fight with the flight attendant to the point where they had to land the plane and take her off the plane by force. And Ugh. she's and she's throwing the blanket on the seat. You know, I don't have to cover up. You know, she had to make a stink about it, yelling down the aisle, right? So that's obviously the breastfeeding baby got kicked off the plane. That was the headline, right? Mm. Because they just took the baby. They're like, no boob for you, and took the baby, right? No. So then the next thing was the dad 
who says that he had to pay $80 to sit next to his four-year-old daughter on the airplane. So he made a big stink. Um, Here's the thing, Dad. When you book the flight, you could choose your seats. You stuck your kid in upgraded seats and then got pissed off because you couldn't sit next to her without paying for the upgraded seats like everybody else who flies on that airline. So have your daughter come sit with you. Book your seats together. Stop being a goof. And and now you're going to blame the airline. So there, again, it was the, you know, four-year-old daughter has to sit by herself because dad had to be charged. Listen, dude, if you could afford $1,200 for those seats to begin with, you could afford the $80 upgrade to sit next to your kid. Quit your bitch. Bam. Bam. Then we have the autistic daughter who's kicked off the flight, right? Mm-hmm. When it wasn't the girl who was kicked off the flight. Don't get it twisted. It was the obnoxious mother who threatened the airline staff that her daughter would start screaming and scratching people if she didn't get the hot meal from first class when she was sitting in coach. So we have we we blame the whole thing on autism and we make that a headline. Mm-hmm. And now we have the mom who flew with three kids and a toddler on her lap. And after the the layover, they get back on the plane. The toddler's losing his mind. He's standing on the armrest when they're taxiing down the runway. She's trying to get him to sit in the lap, and he's throwing his legs out into the aisle. And she, the mom won't stop him. The passenger in front of her is clearly getting agitated. So what is they, so they, they turned around, went back to the gate, and kicked her off. Right? And what does the headline say? Toddler gets ejected from flight for being a kid. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Come on. When are we going to realize that the problem with our kids is us? The problem in every single one of those scenarios was the parent. It was not the kid. It was the parent's lack of control, the parent's lack of decency, the parent's lack of good judgment, the parent's lack of concern. It was all the parents. The parent's lack of preparation when are we going to stop blaming our kids for our failures? Hmm. It's obscene. I'm getting so tired of it. Are you not getting tired of it? I'm very tired of it. Uh, I don't understand. Oh, <laughs> and then, and then there's the, te- see this, this goes, you know, the teachers are horrible people too, but the kids, the students these days are just ridiculous. Um, the teacher, the, did you read about the teacher in Georgia, the teacher uh, and the coach who were scheduling out the, um, the supply closet in the teacher's classroom? No, I, you, you got to remember, I just woke up. Listen, Kelly, this is, this is headline news. You got to pay attention to this stuff. I, I saw it, but I didn't have a chance to read the article. I knew you'd fill me in. 25 year old teacher and, and, and a football coach, um, were texting with the 14-year-old 8th graders <sighs> that were in their care, um, scheduling rooms, scheduling use of the supply closet in this 25-year-old teacher's classroom to have sex. Why? Because clearly their parents weren't letting them do it. Psh, whatevs. So the teacher and the coach were messaging these kids one of the the mom one of the moms confiscated her son's cell phone and found messages from the coach and the teacher 
saying things like, well, does she know what's going on? Does she know what's going to be happening in the closet? Um, do you have condoms? You know, like stuff with 14 year old students, eighth graders. Mm. Ew, that's disgusting. Yes, exactly. Yes, Karina, it is disgusting with your googly eyes that you can only (laughs) do on Facebook. (laughs) And I don't understand why people are saying kids these days, kids these days. No, it's not. It's the ridiculous adults these days. Ridiculous adults. Okay, so they're they're doing these studies with cell phones in school. Like, I don't know about your school district, but our school district has a no technology in the classroom policy except for use of the laptops, the school-issued laptops, which have parental blocks and all that stuff on them, right? Mm-hmm. So um, Mayor de Blasio from New York lifted the, the technology ban and gave schools individual choice other, you know, over whether or not they want uh, cell phones in the classrooms, and so this um, this European group did a study, and they found that uh, test scores of schools, students in schools that ban cell phones in the schools, are between six and a half and fourteen percent higher when um, cell phones are not allowed in the classrooms. Okay. And the fourteen percent is for low achieving students. So in other words, kids like me who have ADD, who have trouble focusing to begin with, if they're allowed to have their cell phones in class, they're focusing on social media, they're focusing on text messaging, they're focusing on videos, they're focusing on improper use of those that technology in the classrooms. And um, when that technology is taken away from them, they're scoring 14% higher in their grades, in their academic achievement. Why is this surprising? Why is this even a study? Who doesn't know this? <laughs> I, I, you know, Somebody's so, got to keep a job. Oh, for crying out loud. So between the social media use and the texting and the video watching and the scheduling of sexual uh, use of the supply closets, when are we going to realize that kids don't need to have cell phones in class? And do you know what, do you know why we're forced to have cell phones in class? Because of. One um, hint, it begins with a P. Parents. Parents. (laughs) Got to be able to get a hold of my child when she's in the middle of a math exam. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Honey, are you sure you put your name on your test paper? Did you put deodorant on this morning? (laughs) Is anyone picking on you? <laughs> Can you stop at the store on the way home and get me some coffee? <laughs> Come on, Parent Nation. Stop it. If your kid is in the school and you need to get a hold of them, you need to call the school. Because it better be that urgent. You know what I'm saying? I okay. do, and I, I don't understand it. And here's the thing. I'm going to call myself out. I'm guilty as charged. This morning, my husband um, drank uh, this peach drink. I'm not going to say any names because I don't want to get anybody in trouble, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Drank this peach drink that we've never had before. He shared it with my son. I had some of it. You know, both of my kids had some of it, whatever. My husband had a crazy reaction. So we don't know if it's from 
the vitamins that he took or this peach drink that he drank that he never had before. But anyway, his face got all red. His lips got swollen. I, I got scared. I'm like, take a Benadryl. Don't drive. You know, sit down. Right. Wow. So, so um, when when I realized what was happening to my husband, I texted my son in school immediately and said, are you feeling OK? You know, daddy okay. had a reaction. We think it might have been to the peach drink. I just want to make sure you're OK. And then that was the end of it. Now, here's the thing, though, Kelly, if he didn't have a cell phone, that would have been urgent enough that I would have called the school to check in with him. Right. 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 So there's your barometer. Was it convenient? Yes, it was. Would we have been able to do the same thing if he didn't have it? Yes, we would have. And that's the thing that I need parents to understand. This is a tool that um, most of our kids are not ready for in the classroom. They're really not. It's why bullying is as bad as it is. It truly is because bullying never used to be the way it is. Um, since we, since the onset of being able to text someone, I'm going to kick your ass or, you know, why don't you just kill yourself? Which is a lot of what is being texted to our kids today. Mm. You know, naked selfies and Snapchatting and all of that stuff that would not be available if we did not give our kids use of cell phones as exclusively as we do. It's, I, I, I just, I can't even take it. So I, you know, it, and I think that that is a big reason why I'm pushing the whole unplug for families thing that we're doing. Right. Um, right. You know, keep your eye open for that because it's coming. Um, and it's going to be out in the next week or two. Um, uh, we're, we're going to ask parent nation to take a pledge with their families to unplug from all devices one day a week. And just connect, reconnect as a family again and, and reconnect and recommunicate and and respect and all of those rewords um, <laughs> that, that we've lost through um, and some that we've gained through our ridiculous use of technology. So that's um, a reword. It's a reword. <laughs> exactly. Ridiculous. Actually, it's ridiculous. Rid ridiculous. Anyway. So we're going to go to our first break, but when we come back, I'm super duper excited to be talking to Kim Adis uh, about her frame of mind coaching and journal engine software, which is totally inconsistent with what I love to do, journaling and to communicate and, and help yourself. So stay tuned. We'll be back. Which is why Tara's taking a cocktail break and we're taking care of business with a word from these sponsors. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children ages 24 to 18 who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Toginet Radio. 
I am not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet. This is your chance, ladies, to hear stories of hope and healing from someone who's been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of this trauma, she has gone on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm Free is a straight-up show to enlighten you and to lighten your load. Do not let the weight of this world or the things that have happened to you control your life. For more on the show and Diane and her book, The Story of Me, email her directly from her show page here on Toginet. Then, join us for I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be, I'm Free, with Minister Diane Jones, Monday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Home Business Happy Hour. I am in a little bit. We're going to be talking to uh, my first guest, Kim Adis. Um, but, you know, Kelly, there was something that I wanted to talk about in the first segment that I really didn't get to chat with you about. Uh-huh. And it's it, it's because it's so funny to me. You know, you know where I am on the whole, like, you know, women's uh, Let's let's call it the uh, the war of the genders. Yes. (laughs) Right. So TLC just came out with a new show. It just aired on Saturday. And I don't know if you saw it. It's um, it's the submissive wives guide to marriage. I did not see that. (laughs) Hmm. I'm loving it. It's so awesome. Do you know what's awesome about it? What? Watching the women's heads explode on social media over the concept of such a horrid thing. And do you know what gets me about it? The thing that kills me is we want to we want to talk about gender equality and we want to talk about, you know, non-judgment and and we want to create the sisterhood and we want women to be equal and empowered. But yet when a show comes out, Celebrating women who chose the lifestyle of being submissive biblical wives, we want to bury them. (laughs) Do you not see the hypocrisy in that? Yeah. It's amazing to me. So the thing that gets me is if you watch the show... Uh, and I, no matter what side of the fence you're on, I encourage you to watch the show. If you watch the show, what you'll see is very empowered women who are choosing to live a certain lifestyle. And because they are submissive, they are biblically submissive in their relationships. That is not permission for their husbands to be degrading to them. It's right. not saying insult me and, oh, you know, oppress me and degrade me. It's saying that I acknowledge, according to my faith, where my position is in my relationship with my husband. And these women are happily married for like 20 years. So mm, not seeing the downside there. 
The men are on there going, you can't just say your wife has to submit to you. You have to give her something to look up to and respect. You have to be a respectful man in order to have this lifestyle. In other words, you have to show your, lo your wife love and respect so that she returns it to you in the way that you want it. You know what I mean? Right. I, it's, I think, I don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. No, I, I, I can't judge it like that. I, I look at it like these women are happy and they're doing a good thing. You know what else I love about it? They're, they're women who work either work from home or they're stay at home moms mm. in a nuclear family. I think that that is, um, I think that's huge. I think that's a big reason why so many professional, so many, um, multi-level marketing companies and so many, um, experts are trying to get one of the parents working from home because I think it's that important that you have someone in the home for your kids. I do too. I do too. Yeah. I mean, I work like hell. I'm a hardworking person and I work from my home. So, um, so I'm here for my kids and when I'm not, my husband, I know that my husband can take the time off to be here because he's not using all of his vacation time trying to manage sick days, you know, from school and that sort of stuff. So it's super important, which is um, actually what our first guest, Kim Adis, is here to talk to us about. She is uh, she's the president and founder of Frame of Mind Coaching and Journal Engine Software, which I love because it gets people, it's, it's a coaching through daily journaling, which I absolutely adore. Um, and she's, she's an entrepreneur. She's the mother of five and she is really into getting people to start their own businesses. She's really focused on helping people start their own businesses, which I think is the wave of the future if we want to get kids back on track and we want to get families back on track. So, hey, Kim. Hi. How are you? I'm fantastic and super happy to be here. <laughs> so hi, glad you're Kim. Us. <laughs> hi. So tell us a little bit about what got you started with the whole frame of mind coaching and your, your journaling, your journal engine software. Tell us how that road started for you. Well, you know, I used to own a, another software company and what we used to do is uh, create simulation based assessments. And those assessments were designed to help companies make better hiring decisions. So we tested hundreds of thousands of people for all different types of positions in all uh, kinds of industries. And we collected a huge amount of data. And that data gave us some very interesting information. And, and, and in particular, one piece of information stood out over and above everything else. And that was if you look at people who were more likely to succeed, they had one trait in common. And that was that they had a higher degree of emotional resilience. So when mm -hmm. you look at emotional resilience, what is that? That is ability to bounce back from adversity with speed and agility and, and I'm, I'm, I'm tacking this on, and the ability to leverage your adversity. Mm. So do, do something with it. And, and so that was the seed where when we look at the coaching industry, the coaching industry isn't designed to help people build their emotional resilience. The coaching industry is designed to help people reach their goals through a process of accountability. And for me, that felt all wrong. 
Like, I have five kids. I don't need to be holding any more people accountable. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I also thought that, you know, when we look at highly driven individuals, no one has to hold their feet to the fire. They're already accountable to themselves. They already get stuff done. They don't need someone uh, watching over them to make sure they get their action items completed. And I thought the only thing really stopping people from reaching their true, true p potential has to do with the way they think about their past experiences, particularly their adversity. And so that's when I thought, well, what if I created a coaching company that helped people build their emotional resilience and leverage the tough things that happen in their lives? And that's how Frame of Mind Coaching came to be. I love that so much because it's, it's exactly what I find in the coaching that I do as well. The people who see the most results are the people who need me the least. Do you know well, what I mean? It's, I it's, it's, it's I'm almost like a crutch, right? a crutch. <laughs> and it's, and when we started doing daily journaling, which is what you suggest, um, I saw and this, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I work mostly with kids and I saw tremendous results with children who did daily journaling with their families, with their parents. Right. So, so, right. Did, so did they you have access to their journal? Um, only through our weekly coaching sessions, what they would okay. share with me. Right. So I didn't have the, the brilliance of this software that you've created, which would allow me access to their journals on a daily basis. I got the information that they were willing to share with me, but right. be, because of our intimate relationships, they, they shared a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of good. Sense. And, um, but we didn't have time in a weekly session to go through everything that they experienced throughout the week and work yeah. on that. Whereas what you do absolutely does that. Right. So when I work with clients, they are, so there's a call once a week and in between every call, they're journaling every single day with their coach. So they get a journaling question or a prompt. They mm -hmm. respond to that question and then their journal goes to their coach and their coach reads and then starts digging, probing, asking questions, getting to the heart of the matter or the source of their thinking, their beliefs. We're looking at how they view the world, what their past experiences were, and how those experiences impact them today. So we're very present focused, but we're collecting all kinds of data through this journaling process that allows us to piece together patterns of thought. So it's also very intimate because there's daily contact with the coach. And then when the call comes, the coach is up to speed because they've already read all the journals. And so the issue is to really, really do serious, deep coaching on every single call. That's pretty awesome. I love that. I mean, it's what I'm starting to realize is the process that I used actually made the, the parent and the child coaches for one another. <laughs> yep. Beautiful. <laughs> Which is kind of cool if you think about it. But, Very cool. But I really like, so I know one of the things that we delve really deeply into is finding passion and purpose. Because that's one of those things that when we look at people 
um, starting their own businesses and working out of their homes and being really successful, we always say if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. But for some people, that translates to I'll never get paid a day in my life either. So one of the big things that we focus on is passion and purpose. Do you do that kind of work when you're helping people to start their businesses? Well, you see, yes, of course we do. But it's an interesting thing. If we go back to that statement, what you just said a minute ago, uh, for some people who want to follow their passion, that means not making any money at all. And so there's a belief wrapped up in that. And if we really look at people who follow their passion and, and have the ideology that when I go along this path, kind of the world opens up to me and money will follow, That's exactly what happens when they believe if they follow that path, then everything closes off, including the flow of money. That's also what happens. And so what we need to do is really when we look at people who want to start businesses, we want to look at the beliefs that they come to the table with that are right from the get-go going to prevent them from succeeding. And we want to address those beliefs, challenge those those beliefs, and remove them, move them out of the way and help them really shift their thinking to a place where anything is possible rather than my possibilities are limited. Mm. And have you found that that's one of the biggest things that keeps people from starting their own businesses? I find that, what yes, absolutely. They have beliefs. Oh, I'll never make it. There's no money in this. I don't know what I'm doing. You need money to make money. Like there are all kinds of ideologies around making money. It's a big risk. I'm leaving my secure job. I have a family to feed. Um, what if it doesn't work? All of that chatter stops someone in their tracks. And I, I can relate to that because I totally hear that stuff in my own head. And I mean, I say that as a person sitting here running three businesses right now very successfully, but I have to be honest with you, on a regular basis, when I think about trying something new or going down a new path, I still hear, even with proof in the opposite direction, I still hear those voices in my head saying, you can't stop doing what you're doing right now. How would you feed your family? So I can kind of hear those being pretty legit statements as well as being, you know, ingrained negative beliefs, how do you get someone past that? Well, the fact that you're calling them legit statements says it all. So when Mm -hmm. you call them legit statements, you're holding on to them for dear life, right? So anything is a legit statement. Is it true that there are terrible things going on in the world? Of course it's true. Is it true that there are some amazing things going on in the world? Uh, philanthropists, good Samaritans, people helping each other. Of course it's true. They're both true. Are they mm-hmm. both legit? Which is more legit? The one you focus on. That's it. <laughs> yep. and, so, and so, you know, there are many, many, many truths in the world, but the truth you choose to live will determine your life's experiences. Do you think that works the opposite too, or the reverse as well? Of course it does. So when when you, like I'll give you a perfect example, and it's not related to business, but I just spoke with a coaching client yesterday who said, you know, there are no good women in Kansas City where I live. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do about that? <laughs> it could be true, but that doesn't mean there isn't one good woman is a great match for you. And if you're open to looking for it and finding it, it'll come your way. But if you believe right off the bat, 
they don't exist and there's a shortage of women, then even if it's staring at you right in the face, you're not going to see it. And oh, my so gosh. That, the same concepts apply in other places. It reminds me of a statement that I, it's, it, I've made it into a mantra that um, uh, Jane, uh, oh my gosh, I can't remember her name last right now. Um, but she said when she was on stage at an event that I was attending, she said, um, if, if you keep telling yourself the same story, whatever you say to yourself, follow it with, then so shall it be. That's right. So if, if you keep telling yourself something negative and you're trying to get out of it, then every time you say it's kind of like when you go to a bridal shower and you have to, to follow everything within bed. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, That's right. So at, every time you say something to yourself as a statement, follow it with, then so shall it be. And if you yep. want that to be your truth, then keep saying it. But if you well, don't, you know- then you have to change it. Yeah, and you said before, it's a legit statement. Well, I'm going to also pro- propose to you that every statement that's legit is also a lie. But in exactly at the same time. I think that it's really scary to say that when you're talking about having to feed your family, though. Like, I do, well, I do have a responsibility to make an income so that I can afford my home and my, sure. you know, food on the so, table. So, so here's you know, you have a bunch of beliefs associated with that, right? And so let me share some of the beliefs you have. One Can you do it when we come I back have, from this break? Because we have absolutely. to go to break in like 10 seconds. And of course, yes, it's going to be, and, and here's what's going to happen, Kim. It's going to be the longest 10 seconds of our lives because we're going to have to fill it with conversation until we can have the real conversation when we come back from this break. Yeah. So stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> or close your iTunes player. Oh, Parrot Nation, Tara Kennedy Klein needs a pee break. And then we'll be right back with more Parenting with a Twist. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Toginet Radio. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. 
Patricia's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Tricia expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living inspired with Tricia Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Home Business Happy Hour brought to you by Parent Nation Radio. I am so excited to have our guest on today. Kim, we're giving you the whole show because we just have too much to talk about. It's awesome. you're just <laughs> I just this this topic is so near and dear to my heart because I don't think enough people who want to go into business for themselves have the the strength and the uh, belief in themselves to do so. So um, before the break, we were talking about um, something that I said, which was, you know, when people decide to take a new path in business, uh, you know, some of the things that they think about are, I can't quit what I'm doing because I have to feed my family and, you know, I have bills to pay and this is my only income source. And I made the comment that those are legit statements. And what you're saying is those are the kind of belief systems that often hold people back from doing what they really could or should be doing. Right. So if we dig a little bit further with that, So I legitimately need to feed my family, okay, and I can't stop what I'm doing now in order to do that other thing. And so there's another belief under there that says, I I can't come up with a transition plan. I can't figure out how to slowly build my business and go from one state of security, relative security, you know, security is always questionable, to another, financial security. So I don't know how to figure that out. Those answers aren't coming to me. It's unavailable to me. I'm limited in my thinking, and so it's an all-or-nothing deal. And that couldn't be further from the truth. (laughs) Right? And so when people start businesses, they always think they have to shut one thing off and turn off another, jump into this vast, dark space where they have no idea what's going to happen. And that's not necessarily how it has to happen. There could be a transition plan, one that helps them see how to grow the business quite logically and safely and comfortably. They don't have to have an all-or-nothing approach. That is also a frame of mind or, you know, that's a limitation in their thinking. It's so hysterically funny that you say that because – when I think about all of the transitions that I've made, all of the the jumps to new and different things that I've done that have grown into what they are, everything that I've done has started out as a transition, a subtle, you know, some of it was hobby. Some of it was an intention to do it bigger and better eventually. And what happened was I would start this transition and then I would get that brick to the head from the universe 
you know, like, mm-hmm. you, you know, like I'm thinking about moving in a direction to go with this other company, but I'm just going to act as a consultant for them for a while. And then the company that I was working for shut down. <laughs> right. Now I'm completely out of work and I don't have a choice, you know, and, but if I look back from the time that I was no kidding, 16 years old, that has, that has been a trend for me my entire life. A small transition, taking small, dedicated action on something has led to an explosion of success, you know, that I, I call universal, but, you know, other people are like, well, you know, you made that happen. Well, but that's exactly it. Let's say someone has an idea to make hats. You know, in their minds, they could be thinking, okay, I need to make 10,000 hats in the next three months in order to really be successful at business and cover my current income and expenses, et cetera, et cetera. Well, my thought is, well, test out and see if your hats are even, you know, a thing, if anyone's going to buy them. Right. So make five and go and see what people think about your hats. Then make 25 and grow slowly. But now you have a transition plan. For me, when I started my coaching business, and I mean, this was 10 years ago, I never coached a person a day in my life, and I had all kinds of worries and fears and self-doubts, and I literally sat down and I wrote them down. Here's my fear. I'm not that experienced. Here's my fear. What the heck am I going to talk about for an hour with my coaching clients? Do I have to come up with content? How's that going to work? Fear number three is I really want to make sure I have uh, and I make an impact that I'm an incredible coach. I don't want to go away from a coaching experience where the client felt, well, eh, that was kind of mediocre. I want to be powerful, and I want to leave an imprint that never goes away. So those were my three issues. And when I wrote them down, I found ways to really um, overcome my fears. So the first time I coached, I brought in an experienced coach to co-coach with me. I actually paid someone to sit beside me on the phone and be a co-coach with me until I thought, wow, I could do this better than that guy. I don't need that anymore. (laughs) The next thing I did was I thought, wow, filling up a whole hour, if I coach a group of people and everybody talks for five or ten minutes, the hour will pass. And then the third thing I did, because I was afraid that I wouldn't be a powerful coach, is I got people to journal because I thought if I could get into their hearts and minds and I could really address those key, most critical issues that they're dealing with, then I'll be highly impactful. And that Mm. was the truth. So, you know, it's okay to have worries. It's okay to have fears. It's okay to have doubts. Write them down and find ways to address them. Be strategic. But what, you know, one of the things that comes up is when you look at your fear, don't think, okay, well, that's the end of the line. I can't go there because my fear is too big. Right? That's right. where people get completely stuck. It's, you're absolutely right. I mean, one of my, one of my big limiting beliefs or fears was, you know, and I, I love my parents to death. Don't get me wrong. But when I was around, 13, 14 years old, I decided that I wanted to be a nurse, but I had undiagnosed ADD and I struggled to focus. And because I didn't have a diagnosis and we didn't have the awareness that we have today, people just saw me as being lazy or stupid or, you know, a daydreamer or whatever, uh, unfocused. 
And so when I went to my parents and said that I wanted to go to school to be a nurse because I wanted to join this future nurses club of America thing, um, my parents said to me, you're not smart enough to be a nurse. Mm-hmm. And I carried that belief with me. I, I, when I say it, it still, it still hurts. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I still believe it. And now yeah. and what did I do? I married the freaking valedictorian of our high school class who constantly reminds me that I'm not as smart as he is. But the thing is, I am. I'm just smart in a different way. There you go. You know, I'm, I'm not book smart, yeah. but I'm street smart. And I have but great you see ideas. Here, you know, you're right. People deposit messages into your system. In this case, it was a conscious message. But people deposit messages into your system both consciously and unconsciously. And we walk around living with those messages, breeding and fueling our achievements. And very often, breeding and fueling our limitations or our lack of achievements. And that's so- where the work needs to happen. I don't need to sit there and say, here are the 10 things you need to do to start your business. What I need to do is say, how are you thinking? Let's look at the ways you're thinking that are preventing you from reaching your goals. And let's clean that up because that's really stopping you from getting it done. So that is huge to me. So do you have a process that you go through with your clients that you take them through their limiting beliefs and you help them abolish them. Exactly. So when we coach people, again, it's, we begin with 10 weeks. Some people stay a lot longer, but we begin with 10 weeks, and there's a call every week. Now, per, the first part of the process is that we ask our clients to listen to the recordings of their coaching calls. Why? We want to teach them to listen to their language, their speech, their hesitation, their emotion. And we want them to learn to be observers of their thoughts. And so, Mm. A, we teach them the mechanics of what we call thought mastery. The second part of it is that they are journaling every single day. And so what's happening is they're doing a bit of a download. And what we see is in their language and in their storytelling, we see how they view the world and how they operate in the world. And we see how their thinking is impacting their results. And we show them what's happening. And we give them some frameworks to work with so that in any situation they can adjust their thinking and achieve the results they want to achieve. That's pretty awesome. And it's so, I don't think people realize how powerful that is. It's unbelievable. Like it's transformational, deeply, profoundly transformational. When you can take a person who believes that, you know, from childhood that they're a failure at everything that they do, and that comes from saying, you know, when your kid is five years old and they've messed up three times in a row and the parent in jest or, or play, even playfully says to them, oh, my God, you can't get anything right, can you? Mm-hmm. That creates a belief system that a child will carry with them. Well, I'll give you a good story. The other day, I have five kids. My daughter, who is the youngest, she's 15 years old, and we went shopping at H&M. Do you guys have that in the States? Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, so it's, it's, it's a store that has clothing from the, from babies all the way up to adults. And so we were, I was sitting outside of the dressing room and waiting for her to try things on and show them to me. And 
and there was a little girl running from, let's say, dressing room number five to dressing room number eight. She had her grandparents in every room. She was running back and forth and hopping and jumping and hopping and jumping and having, like, the best time of her life. And her grandmother, who was in uh, jumping uh, room number five, said to her, you know, stop running. You're going to have an accident. And she meant well. She loved her granddaughter. She took her shopping. But what kind of ideology does that put into the child's head? Running causes accidents since when? Right? right? And so what, what immediately after she was told, stop running, you're going to have an accident, she got less enthusiastic. Her, her physicality toned down, tightened up. She stopped going to room number five and hung around at room number eight where her grandfather was, who was much more encouraging of her excitement and energetic playfulness. But you see, I mean, the grandmother didn't mean any harm. She was looking out for her granddaughter. But those messages leave a mark on us. It's, I don't even think that we realize it. And, you know, here's the thing, Kim. I have to be honest with you. One of the big things that I deal with with Parent Nation is um, parents saying things like, oh, my God, we can't say anything to our kids anymore. Everything we say is going to damage them. Everything has to be blue skies and roses and unicorn farts. And I agree to a point, you know, And yet, when I think back of, you know, on my ninth grade teacher telling me, you know, I'm never going to be good at math, so maybe I should just ride this one out and take something simple next year, and carrying that through my entire high school year, career, um, things that we say can impact a child for their entire lives. It's not can, they do. So what do we do, though? We can't walk on eggshells with our kids, you know? We can't but say, says, you, you know... You see, here's, here's the biggest mistake about parenting, and here's where I know that you're the expert, but I'll share with you I'm what I I'm not an expert. I'm just a mouthpiece. Go ahead. <laughs> here's the thing, is that parents think that parenting is about managing their children. It's about disciplining them. It's about guiding them and teaching them. It's about getting their kids to do the right thing and, you know, uh, do what... They want them to do. And what I want to say here is that parenting is about the parents, and it's about the parents' management of themselves when the kid is figuring out who they are and what they want to be, and that idea doesn't quite match the parents' idea. And it's called parenting because it's about the parents. If it was really about the child, it would be called childing. It's not called childing. <laughs> it's called parenting. And so what parents need to do, the, the fundamental lesson is, You've got to equip your child with tools that help them make great decisions. And then get away, move back, and allow them to make great decisions. Equip them. So what happens is that parents, you know, just like this woman in the dressing room, right, what they do is they step in and they tell their children what to do all day and all night. Don't do this. Don't touch this. Hold her hand. Share your toys. On and on and on. Like ongoing. And so what happens is kids are the rebel or, the, or their ability to make decisions for themselves goes away. Mm-hmm. So there's too much involvement from parents. And it's not uh, about walking on eggshells. It's about, it's about getting you know, the hell away from them more. <laughs> exactly. And so, like, you know, one of the greatest stories I have to tell is when my daughter, she used to have temper tantrums, I used to say, uh, you know, let me know when you're done. I'm going to go find something else to do. 
And that was my way of taking care of myself. And it was my way of allowing her the time and the space to get a hold of herself and manage herself. Mm. And at the end of the day, what do we want for our children? We want them to make great decisions. We want them to feel great about who they are. We want them to be wonderful, contributing citizens. And we want them to have some measure of confidence that allows them to go and do whatever they want in the world. I love that. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe that we are almost out of time. But that was a great way to end the show. I, that was, that was a, I, that's a perfect story. And, you know, here's the thing. When you have kids who are, are resilient and when you're raising kids who are able to make good choices and able to self-correct, then you have kids who are going to be able to take risks and start their own businesses and know, do what they really love, which is what we really all want to do. So exactly. thank you so much, Kim, for all of your information. I want everybody to know that they can check you out at Frame of Mind Coach like I did, which is an awesome website. Um, you can become a coach. You, you have a, a coaching accreditation process that you take people through, right? And That's um, right. You, can also hire, you can also hire a coach. So thank you so much, Kim, for being with us today. And everybody else, keep on listening and check us out on Facebook at Parent Nation Radio. Until next week, Thanks, keep Sarah. playing. Thank you. Pass mom's little barometer of is this going to shut them up? Connect with Tara online at tarakennedykline.com. Until next time, remember this. Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling?